Thanks for joining us at Summit Church. No matter where you are at on life's journey, you are welcome here. We are excited to share God's word with you through this week's message. A few weeks ago, we started a little series. We want to finish it today because we got sidetracked. Valentine's came up into um, that whole process, and I felt we needed to stop and do a little relationship reboot. And you can catch those two messages we did on relationships on our podcast online, but uh, I want to go back and kind of put a bow on those two uh, messages that we talked about on You in 60 Months was the title of the little series, You in 60 Months, or 60 Months for something you don't know is five years. And so uh, we want to, what we asked ourselves in the conversation we began was, um, what will the narrative be and what will that sound like or look like when you are... Uh, five years from now, living life, what, what, what is that journey going to look like? And are you excited about your future? And do you look forward to the journey ahead? And do you have plans and goals? And what are you doing to create something you know, different than perhaps it's going on right now in your life? Because how many know your destiny begins with the choices that you make right now? Amen? That's important, the choices you make right now. I do believe that some people don't understand or perhaps embrace the thought that they could ever be anything different than what they are right now. That they have come to this point and who I am is what I am and what I'll always be and I'll never be or could do or be anything different and I could never change. But I found that <clears throat> that's not true, that many people can do things beyond their wildest imaginations if it's really put to them and they had to. I found that a crisis can actually create a person to do things that they had never dreamed possible. For example, um, I was went online, I did a little research, and I found that uh, you can actually obtain supernatural strength if you really had to. I found in 2009, a man in Kansas lifted a mercury sedan off of a six-year-old girl who had been trapped underneath because she'd been backed over by the vehicle. And she was trapped, and he literally picked the vehicle up. In Colorado, 1995, a police officer arrived at a single-car accident, a Chevy Chevette, and it was on top of a little baby girl who was in, it was in the mud, and he was able, by himself, to lift the car up long enough for the mother to pull the little baby to safety. In, in uh, 1960, in Florida, there was a woman, a son, who was working under his Chevy Impala. How many of you have ever had a Chevy Impala? You know, that's a big, heavy honking vehicle, and he was working on that, had it all jacked up, the jacks collapsed, trapped him underneath, and this woman, this little frail woman, picked up a Chevy Impala long enough for her neighbor to pull her son to rescue. <laughs> I would have loved to have seen that, and no one would have, if you'd have told that little lady, one day you're going to pick up a vehicle, she would have probably said, you are crazy, that's impossible. There was a man, um, he saw a helicopter crash. The pilot was pinned underneath it in, un in shallow water, and this man ran to this, to this helicopter site. His name, actually, his nickname was Tiny. Come on. And Tiny ran over, lifted up this one-ton helicopter long enough for them to get and extract the pilot from underneath this helicopter. I'm telling you, you don't have a clue the power and the strength that resides within you if you really are called upon a situation to do it. What am I saying? I am saying that a crisis can create something in, it, in you that takes you to a whole other level. 
Let me just put it like this. And sometimes so we, we need a crisis to take us to a whole another level. We need to actually create an internal crisis in order for us to get out of what this, this, this rut that we found ourselves in. Someone said, what is a rut? And he said, a rut is nothing that a, more than a graveyard with both ends knocked out of it. Just a, it's just a grave stone or grave, a grave that's both ends knocked out of. That's what a rut is. It's really a grave that you found yourself in. And so many people that you know and I've come in contact with have found themselves really in a rut. And I want to talk to you just briefly this morning, really quickly, three things that you probably need to do to get out of a rut. Because change happens when the pain inside of you becomes greater than the pain of be, uh, that you'd have to go through to make a change. Let me say that again. Change will happen when the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of making a change and the risk involved. And so this morning, I want you to think about your life and maybe a change in some areas of your life that needs to take place. And how do I do that? Number one, how do I make a change? You have to make a drastic change. Everybody say a drastic change or a drastic action. You have to take a drastic action. We talked about a few weeks ago where Elijah, and, and, and I have got a bunch of scriptures here. We may not read all of these scriptures because of time, but there's a bunch of scriptures here, and you, and you know, so you can read them when you get home. But, but Elijah went to Elisha. Elisha burnt his plow and began to follow after this man, this prophet named Elijah. And I believe it's very important for us to understand that typically people don't change unless they make a decision to change. Now, we have a vision here at Summit Church, and it's a three-part vision. Number one, it's to know God. Everybody say, know God. know God. Our second point of our vision is to grow in our faith. Everybody say, grow in my faith. Grow in my faith. And my third, our third point of our vision here at Summit is to make impact. Everybody say, make impact. Make impact. And those, those three things drive us forward every single day as a group of people that love Jesus with all of our heart. And yet underneath this value or this mission, excuse me, this mission statement, we have a value. And that value and there is a, nothing more than a personality of a church. And one of the, the values that we have here is that we love change. Come on, turn to your neighbor and tell them, ask him, do you love change? Just ask him for me, do you love change? If you don't love change, if you don't like change, you're probably going to be very uncomfortable here. <laughs> because we value change. We believe change is important. Now, some people don't want change. You want, you want things to always to be static the way they've always been. You, if you like the way things are, you don't need anything to change. You, like, you haven't moved your furniture in 45 years. You know what I'm saying? You, you, everything's all, everything's in place. You've got to have it that way for, you don't like changing. You, someone comes over your house and rearranges the furniture, moves your toothpaste over here to there. You like go into a fit. You go become a whole typical different person. Why? Because you don't like change. Well, listen, God's after you and, 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 and you need to change and you need to change. In some areas of your life, how many here grew up uh, knowing the word Kodak? See, raise your hand, Kodak. So some of you here are so young, you have no clue what a Kodak is. 
It's not a bear in Af- Alaska. It's literally a camera company, a company that was founded, uh, Kodak Eastman uh, founded this, and they took pictures, and there was a day, believe it or not, where literally if you, wa- if you wanted to capture the moment, you literally had to carry something around like in a leather bag on the side of you, and, and, you, you, had to, and you had to undo it and pull out this big honking black thing, and you, and you would do all this kind of stuff, and, 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 and 10 minutes after the moment, moment took place, come on, you, you, you took a, a picture of that. Well, I, we, we actually called it the Kodak moment. A Kodak, oh, that's a Kodak moment. And, and Kodak was a company that created this instrument of capturing moments, and, and then they got really fancy, and they created these things, uh, pocket cameras, and you pull it out, it's like a little long thing about that wide, about that long, and, and, and you, you click it a couple of times, and you pull out these little bulbs, and you put it on top of it, and, and then you go, hold smiles, and we're like taking pictures with this thing, and, 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 and it was like amazing, and, and, and now you, you don't even ever find a camera. You don't, your camera is on your phone. You can talk to it. You can do your homework on your phone, and you can take pictures on your phone. And, and, and where is Kodak? Kodak doesn't exist anymore. They're out of business so long. For, they've been in business for decades and decades, and they, and they were bringing in money hand over fist. Everybody had a Kodak camera or a Kodak something in their possession. They, they never dreamed that there would be a day where they would no longer be in business. There was coming down the road to their dismay or to their fault. I've never seen it. There was coming this thing, this, like this big semi-truck called digital, <laughs> digital digital pictures coming down the road, and, and they never saw it coming. They were suffering from this term called myopia. Everybody say myopia. Myopia simply means nothing more than becoming blinded by your success. They were so successful and just enjoying the riches of their industry that it didn't occur to them that this whole thing could be gone if they didn't look, stay on the edge and look and see how culture was changing. And I'm telling you, in the body of Christ, we can fall prey to a thing called myopia. Even as a Christian, you can become paralyzed and static in your relationship where, you, where it doesn't even, there's not even a freshness. It's almost like you're, you're, like, like you're, you're meaner now than what you were before you ever come to know Jesus. There was a guy named Henry Ford. He, he created the, the automobile industry, automobile industry, and, and, and boy, he, he created this automobile to be mass produced in his factories, and he, they were churning out these black automobiles all across the country. And Henry Ford said, I have spent my life on this automobile, and there will never be anything better or greater than this automobile. This right here is the greatest thing that will ever, it cannot even be improved, it can't even be improved on. There was some guys that worked for him, Mr. Dodge and Mr. Chrysler, and they said, hey, listen, Mr. Ford, we, we, we've heard that people want a green automobile and a brown automobile, not just a black one. He goes, are you kidding me? Black is the greatest color for any automobile. Any automobile that doesn't look black is a, is a crazy automobile. 
Black is what it's always going to be. And they said, well, you need to change. He goes, we're not going to change. It's going to be black. It's always going to Well, how about redesigning the fenders? The fenders are perfect. How about the windshield? How about the doors? They're perfect, I'm telling you. And so Mr. Chrysler and Mr. Dodge went out and started producing green vehicles. Come on, and brown vehicles. And before long, Mr. Ford found out that people quit buying his vehicle. They were buying green vehicles and brown vehicles and, and these Dodges and Chryslers. And he said, huh, maybe I should change. <laughs> so the goal is to change before it's too late to change. And I want to just encourage you, how do I make a change? Well, well, Sir Isaac Newton, many of you know this man because he uncovered the laws of gravity, but there's another law that he also uncovered, and it was called the law of motion. And one of the laws of motion definitions is simply that an object at rest is going to stay at rest. Didn't you notice that when this, before I picked up this ball, it just stayed there? Wouldn't it be kind of weird as you're sitting there and I'm talking, this ball just goes back and forth across the stage? You'd be like, that is, that's weird. What's going on? Because... Why? Because you know an object that's just static will always be static. One of the definitions of inertia simply is if it's staying there at rest, it's going to stay at rest. It's not going to move. But the law of motion means that if an object begins to, uh, begins to move, then it's going to continue to move unless something blocks it or stops it. If I take this ball and put it on top of a hill and I let it go, it's going to continue to roll down the hill and go faster and faster and go in a straight line. The only thing that's going to stop uh, this law of motion from taking place is if there's a brick wall or something greater than the force of this ball to stop it from its descending pace. And so in our lives, sometimes we find ourselves in this place where we're just like it, this ball just laying there and we're not moving. We're just, we're just, in fact, the word inertia in the Latin, the definition literally is lazy. We're just fat, sassy, and lazy. Because we tend, because sometimes we tend to, uh, to, to fight laziness in one area, though, but we're really good in another. We're, we're working hard on the job, making a career, making money, advancing in the company, and yet, we have inertia or laziness over here in this area where our marriage is falling apart and nothing's working with our spouse and, and we're not working hard here. We're working over there in the career. We're working on the schoolwork and we're making the degrees and we're getting accomplished a lot of things over here. But on this area, we're, we're not working on our character, our integrity, and our, and, our, and our skills with other people. So what God wants us to do is to be a people that are constantly growing and changing in all areas of our life. Because we all battle laziness in our lives. And, and uh, let me just give you those uh, root causes of laziness real quick because some of you we didn't get it in the first service, so I'll give it to you. You're special. Second service is special. <laughs> Self-centeredness, arrogance, and foolishness. And the other scriptures there, you can read them when you get home in Proverbs. Great scripture. Self-centeredness, arrogance, and foolishness are the root causes of laziness. And what's going to cause us to move out of our laziness will be this force that's greater than us to begin to blow into it. If I had a balloon I, in my hand, I would just sit in my hand lifeless. But if I were to put the balloon to my lips and begin to blow 
life into it, then it will begin to expand. Sometimes we just become stagnant because there's not a breath of freshness blowing into our lives. Let me give you an example this morning. Excuse me. So I went to Lowe's and I picked up these little concrete pavers, very thick, heavy pavers. If I were to drop it on your foot, you'd probably hurt you. So he's pulling his teeth, he's pulling his feet away from, away from me. So, so what I, what I want to do is, I, this paver is too big for my project. I, 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 need, I need this paver to fit on my sidewalk, but it's too big. So I need half the size. I need something a little bit smaller than this, but, 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 but something's got to happen for that to fit into my plans. How many know God has a plan for you? But his plans for you doesn't always fit with your plans for you. You just like yourself the way you are. And so you just sit here, just like a block. Just a block. You're just a, a, a blockhead. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you're just a blockhead. Just, you're just a, a bump on the log. Just sit here, and you have no purpose. You have no goals. You're lazy. You're arrogant. Come on, you're self-centered. You're selfish. Aren't you glad you came this morning? <laughs> this is so encouraging. Uh, but God's got a big purpose for you, but you don't think you need to change. That's because you're arrogant and, you're, and, and now you're lazy. And so God's got a purpose. And so his purpose for you is greater than your purpose for you. And in order for that to happen, you need, you need the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Everybody say, hello, Holy Spirit. <laughs> if anybody falls asleep right here in this service. So I'm kidding, I'm kidding. So you pray this prayer. This is a dangerous prayer to pray. But you need to pray. You say, Holy Spirit. Oh, you want to do that? Okay. <laughs> Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Come into my life. Come into my life. And change me. Change. Into the person, into the person. You, called me to be. you called me to be. He goes, I've been waiting for that prayer. <laughs> Woo! And now... He's like, I got exactly what I was hoping I would get. Come on. It's a dangerous prayer to pray, but you need to pray it. Jesus said one time, he said in, in, in Matthew 21, 44, he says, anyone who falls on the stone will be broken to pieces. But if you don't fall on that stone, you're going to be crushed. So you got a choice. You can, you can be broken or you can be crushed. I'll take broken. Let the Lord do my, his work in my life, lest I not even have a life. So, Pastor, what can I do to jolt myself into some kind of an action? How do I get out of this rut? You have to take a drastic action. You have to do something that's like you're not used to, you're not comfortable with, or haven't been comfortable with for a while. Maybe for you, a drastic action would be, I, you know what, I'm going to get water baptized. I, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seal the deal, and I'm going to 
come and go into the waters of baptism. We'll let everybody know, not only am I a Christian, but I'm going to be identified with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection. And I'm going to say goodbye to this old nature that I was born with. And I'm going to come into a resurrection of a new life uh, that God's going to give me through obedience of water baptism and begin to experience a circumcised heart uh, that God wants me to have. And so I can begin to move away from this iniquity that always wraps itself around my life. I'm going to do something drastic. I'm going to get water baptized. Maybe a drastic action is telling your neighbor or neighbor or a co-worker, guess what? I need you to know something. I've been working with you for 30 years, but you don't know this. I'm a Christian. And I, I'm saved, and I ask Jesus into my heart, how about you coming to know Jesus? Would you like to know Jesus? That's a drastic action. Come on. Well, what if they, I'm embarrassed. I don't want to say that. Well, you know, stay in your rut. That's exactly where God, the devil wants you to be. How about fasting? Oh, what are you talking about? That's a dirty word, fasting. Yes, it means going without a meal. Well, I fast every night. And that I wake up and I break my fast and I call it breakfast. No, I'm not talking about breakfast. I'm talking about going without a meal, going without, going without supper, going perhaps a day, uh, something to jolt your spirit uh, into action and cause your spirit to rise up and go, oh, uh, uh, my spirit's in charge, my, not my soul, not my emotions, not my flesh. How about breaking up with a loser that you've been dating the last 15 years? Come on. How about just saying goodbye, adios, I've got somewhere I've got to go, I've got a, I got a God I'm going to follow, I've got a people I'm going to hook up with. And how about taking your phone out and deleting some phone numbers from your phone and separating yourself from some voices you've been listening to for way too long? Come on, how about taking your Facebook, uh, how about just saying, gone, sorry, you're out of here, no, 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 no. Oh, I don't like you. No, no, I like you, but I, I don't want you in my life. Come on. How about, how about just deleting social media all to begin with, just all across the board for a few weeks, weeks and see how that feels in your body. I'm talking about doing something that's uh, drastic in your life and, and saying no to the parties. I'm not going to the party. Young person saying, no, I don't need to do anything on a Friday night. Just because you're doing something, I mean, I have to do it. I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay home and watch television with my family. I know that sounds crazy for a teenager, but maybe sometimes you need to do that and it'll save you a lot of pain. How about enrolling in school? How about taking some night classes? Well, I'm too busy. I got too much going on. Well, fine. Just keep the rut going. But maybe you can enroll in a school or a class once or twice a week and just begin to make a step towards something better in your life. How about committing to a small group? Come on, a little unselfish plug through a small group saying to yourself, you know what? I'm going to get to know some people. I'm going to give them the privilege of knowing me. I'm going to, get, I'm going to open up a little bit and just take a risk that these people are not going to reject me, but there's some wonderful people called the body of Christ. And I'm going to commit to a small, how about committing to a financial peace small group because you're tired of being in debt all the time and never can make ends meet? How about coming to this understanding that God must have a plan with my finances, figuring out what that is and committing to that kind of a small group? How about just saying, I'm going to take a drastic move and action and I'm going to just get a passport because I keep talking about going on a mission trip. So I'm just going to get a $120 passport. I'm going to put it in my drawer. I'm going to save up some money. I'm going to go on a short-term mission trip. How about just sharing Jesus? with your waiter when you go out to eat or asking the waiter, the waitress, hey, can I just pray for you about something? What is it that I can pray with you about? Why don't you just do something different than what you've done all this time? That's all I'm asking. 
If you're visiting here this morning, I'm sorry. <laughs> a little riled up. Number two, how do I, how do I change and get out of this rut, you need to aim for a small, steady step. Just a small, steady step. Just a small step. Doesn't have to be a big step, but just a small step. Do something just, well, I, I want to lose this weight. Well, how about doing some exercises? Well, that's too much. How about what exercise? Just do one of the one. How about, I can't do 10 sit-ups. How about just one sit-up? Let's start with one. Just start with something. I bet, I imagine, one sit-up might lead to two. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm just saying, one possibly could lead to two. At one point in your life, maybe three in the next 10 years. You might even make four by the time you die. But, I, but at least you're taking a step in the right direction. I, I believe it's important that we just begin to make these small, little, incremental steps. Well, how about, instead of, Saying a prayer right before you fall asleep and just falling into bed and just kind of mumbling Jesus something before you. How about being being intentional, waking up at, at ten minutes earlier than you planned and just spending ten, just ten minutes. Okay, okay, five. I'll give you five minutes with Jesus before you start your day, and maybe that'll become ten. Maybe it'll be fifteen. You might end up praying for an hour a day. <gasps> Talking to your creator, the master of the universe, the one that knows you more than anybody else, can we just make a small step? Maybe instead of reading the whole Bible before the month's out, maybe we could just read a chapter a day, just a small little step. Maybe instead of giving a whole 10% tithe to God and his kingdom, maybe we could just, maybe just 1%. Can you, get, can you give God just 1% of everything that he's already allowed you to keep, and that probably is going to lead to two, and then three to ten, and then you might end up 20 and 30. Look out, you're going to be so blessed beyond measure, you won't understand what's going on. Maybe loving somebody and sending one thoughtful text, just one thoughtful text, firing off these emails and these texts about how you can't stand them, how they did you wrong, how mad you are at them. Why don't you just change some things and send off one nice text to somebody, tell them how much you love and respect them. How about just one small step of saying, you know what, I'm not going to be a consumer. I'm not going to be a taker anymore. I'm going to begin to turn this thing around. I'm going to begin to be a giver and maybe sign up for the kids' church, ministering to the kids' church, or maybe the nursery, come on, somebody, just one Sunday a month, just one Sunday, one Sunday a year. Come on, we'll take anything. Want just what just don't be a consumer your whole life, but you're saying I'm going to change some things, even if it's just one small step at a time. Come on. So, yeah. Come on. Some of you may know this guy. Um, his name was Seinfeld. He had a little TV show, <laughs> insignificant show, no one ever watched it, but that's not true. But his, Mr. Seinfeld. He, he was a young man. He, he had this desire to be a comedian. He wanted to be a comedian. And so he said to himself, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write down one joke a day. And he got his calendar out, and every day he sat and he thought of one joke. And he would write his joke out, and he would mark it off in his calendar on that day. Got the joke done. 
And every day, you walk out, next day, write a joke, and next day, and over a course of several months, and then half a year, he had a whole collection of jokes that he had come up with just because he took one small step, and then he whittled those down to his best jokes and tried them out on a few people and came up with his top jokes, and then he started telling, doing little shows, and the next thing you know, the guy's like a multimillionaire. He's got his own show simply because he took one small step. I'm just going to write a joke a day, and now we're the joke. Come on, and we're paying him. Or I'm gonna, I want to be a writer. I'm gonna just, we'll write one paragraph a day of your book. Just, just do something significant and make one small step. Icebergs. You ever heard of an iceberg before? An iceberg, you, they, they float around in these cold places. And we see the iceberg floating around. It looks very insignificant. But an iceberg basically is, what you see is just a tip it's 10% of really what you don't see underneath, which is 90% ice. Mr. and Mrs. Titanic figured that one out. <laughs> and this iceberg didn't happen overnight. It took years, hundreds and hundreds of years for this iceberg to become, because it was created from the bottom up, not the top down, from the bottom up, by layers and layers of rain falling, freezing, creating ice, more rain falling, freezing, creating ice, rain, ice, rain, ice, rain, until finally you had a landmass here, but the, but the sheet of ice began to grow over the landmass until shelves of ice were actually over here just suspended by air that had, gone, that had been created by years, hundreds of years of freezing, taking place, until finally they just couldn't handle the weight and they just break off from the shelf of earth uh, and they just kind of float around. And it's just, just tons and tons of frozen ice and all you see is the top. My point of that whole analogy is that an iceberg's strength does not emerge overnight. It grows layer by layer by layer. And our lives, we grow layer by layer by layer. And it's intentional. It's because we set out every day to grow another, another little bit. We challenge ourselves every day to do the same, just like Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus grew in wisdom and in knowledge and in favor with God and with men. What are you going to do? What actions are you going to take? Which leads us to number three. And lastly, how do I get out of this rut? I need to ride the wave. I need to ride the wave. Let me say it like this. Momentum is hard to stop. Once you get momentum, once things are rolling down, rolling in the right direction, it is hard to stop it. It takes everything you have to get it going. But once it gets going, it's really hard to stop. It takes everything a locomotive has to finally get down the tracks. This is a locomotive, if y'all didn't know what that was. But each, each moment is a little stronger and a little faster and a little faster and a little faster and a little faster until eventually it's going so fast and, 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 you, and he sees something in the middle of the tracks. Oh we, oh, we need to stop. He can't stop. Why? Because he's now being carried by momentum, which took so much work to get going. But once you got it going, you can't stop it. Once you get it going, you can't stop. 
How come it's so hard? It seems like it's hard to pray for five minutes. Well, you just get that thing going. And next thing you're praying 10 minutes. Next thing you know, you're praying 15 minutes. Next thing you know, you're praying an hour. You're, you're praying long. You're reading your word. You're, getting, you're so into it now. It's not just a chapter. It's two chapters, three chapters. You're reading the whole, whole book of the Bible, the 66, in one setting. You're, what's going on? You've got momentum taking place. I have an, a picture I want to show you. And this is a, this is a uh, space shuttle uh, taking off and going into the atmosphere. And it's launching off the launch pad. Just keep it right there for a second. And these are rocket boosters. It's connected to this spaceship. The goal is to get that ship, which is closest to us in the foreground, up into another atmosphere. To get this thing going vertical, to break through this barrier called the Earth's atmosphere until it can hit what we would call orbit. And up here, gravity is totally different than it is right here. It just kind of carries itself. But um, until it can break through and just kind of be carried by itself uh, in the kingdom of God, in the spiritual dimension, it's got to break through the natural dimension. It's got to break through the flesh. It's got to break through the soul. It's got to break through the emotions. It's got to break through the mind. It's got to break into the spirit. But it will take everything you got because the gravity, the natural tendencies of gravity is saying, no, you're not going higher. You're, you're not going to climb out of this atmosphere. We like you right here where you're at. And the gravity in the world is constantly pulling you down to earth, as they would say, what they think is natural. But I'm telling you, that's not natural. That's unnatural. God has called you higher, called you into another atmosphere. He's given you the Father. He's given you the Son. He's given you the Holy Spirit. you got rocket boosters, baby. Come on. And if you just hold on long enough, he'll break you through in a whole other dimension. Come on, give God some praise. Amen. Amen. So you hold on to the Father, and you hold on to the Son, Jesus, and you ask the Holy Spirit, come in and begin to break my life. And you allow the Holy Spirit to break off of you those chains, as Paul said, which are so easily besetting you. And to begin to be loose from these chains of the world and to be loose into the kingdom of God. And allow His Spirit to take you to a whole other dimension. That's not hard, it's easy. It's, it's life-giving. It, oh, it seems so hard, Pastor, to follow God. No, you're just breaking through, that's all. Just keep on keeping on. There's going to come a point where you, there's a breakthrough coming, and it's just going to be so easy. It's almost effortless as you walk with Him in the Spirit. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to visit us online at summitchurch.tv or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at summitchurch.tv.